Iowa everywhere. Welcome you to the September 13th edition of the Rosenblum podcast on the Iowa Everywhere Network. I am Brent Bloom, joined by Sage Rosenfels. Sage, where are you today? Iowa Everywhere. I am not in Iowa. I am in Omaha. <laughs> Close home. enough. This is my lovely living room uh, behind me. I'm currently sort of sitting in my kitchen, uh, and uh, this is this is sort of the way it goes. Sometimes my my room that I did the podcast in our first episode upstairs. I'm, I'm repainting. Sort of had like a nice sort of brown sort of a brownie brown sort of color you know what i mean so like it was very it was like very eatable walls but uh (laughs) i'm gonna go with like some sort of off-white or something like that alabaster i think is what the the guy who's gonna paint it uh is gonna pick so did you get the color did you get the color swatches out and you chose alabaster well it was the same color my daughter's room that i did a few months ago and we like that so we're just gonna keep going with the same alabaster probably just for the discount on the paint or something you know economies of scale type of scenario so today uh we're doing it in here which i i've done my fair share of podcasts uh radio shows and things from from this spot i've done the colin cowherd show a few times from this Uh, spot the only issue is it's a little it's a little echoey sometimes because i'm i'm you know it's, it's i'm one of those kitchens that has one of those like giant islands so i feel like there's no you know everything bounces off sound wise uh for the island so it's probably not the best situation but it is what it is last week i was in maine uh and so we can start off with the, the sage rosenfels travels if you'd like yes to. please i mean that's i think what people tune in for and we'll get to the sci game of course and we will we will the get NFL. to the sci game so since this is sort of like the journeyman quarterback uh, uh podcast right. or whatever so um you know last week about about two months ago i got asked to call that first iowa state game and I, I couldn't do it. My my girlfriend, one of her closest friends, is getting married. Uh, her friend is getting married. Uh, my girlfriend uh, in in Boston, and so we went to Boston the wedding. Where I was in Maine uh, for the podcast uh, last uh, uh, week, and then um, from there we drove back to Boston, flew to Los Angeles, got to LAX, rented a car, drove to Joshua Tree, spent two days in Joshua Tree, which really was uh, uh, phenomenal. Recommend. And, Highly recommend. Okay. It's 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 like you're on the moon. Um, the, the the and which I I've been to a few places like that. Actually, Las Vegas. Oddly enough, if you leave the city of Las Vegas and go out to like Red Rocks, which is the west side of Las Vegas, it feels like you're on the moon there too. I mean, it's just sort of eerie and weird and, and rocks and and you, it's really fun. To, I'm not a big like I like hiking. But I don't like going on like four hour hikes, right? I like to just sort of, you know, tromp around the forest or the mountains or whatever it is for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. But I'm not one that's like, hey, we're going to start at the bottom of a mountain and we're going to walk up for the next day and a half to the top to search for some view and then walk back. That's like a lot for me. So this was more like the bouldering where you just sort of had these like mounds of big, crazy rocks and you just sort of walk up on them and walk around them and sort of you try to kill yourself, basically. But it was a blast. We had a sweet Airbnb, had a pool, which you got to have, I think, in Joshua Tree because it's so dry everywhere. But the trees are weird. That's the whole thing is like there's these things that are like cactus, but they're not cactus. They're trees. It's like this mixed tree cactus thing. And I I don't know if they're found anywhere else but Joshua Tree. It's like it's sort of like an oddity uh, in nature. So anyway, I was going to ask, who's Joshua and what is what's the deal with his trees? 
I don't know, but I think you have to ask Bono from U2 because <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, I don't think half people would even know what Joshua Tree is. I don't know, for, exactly. Like, great album. Right. 1989. I even, I even know that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's but you went to, then you went to the, to the Chargers game, right? Well, not even there yet. So, oh, so, my, girl, so my girlfriend's daughter uh, is sort of moving in. She's going to school in Santa Barbara. And so we drove from Joshua Tree, which is like just on the east side of L.A., all the way to west of LA for Ooh, about boy. three and a half, four hours, uh, sort of through LA. By the way, LA just simply goes on forever. Did you take the it's, 405? Uh, at some point when I yes. was in Los Angeles, you always end up in the 405. Oh, always, always. Point. Yeah, yeah. So, no, we took the, uh, we took like the 10 to the 210 to the, oh, yeah. yeah, it's like a Saturday Night Live episode. Um, <laughs> But yeah, all the way to uh, to Santa Barbara, uh, I, I spent my Friday night putting her uh, her daughter's bed together that we had ordered, and so that was always fun. What a guy! The little uh, the little wrenches, you know, and your fingers were like bleeding. <laughs> that was great. Uh, so then from there, we 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 drove back Friday night uh, to Los Angeles, where my son goes to school at Loyola Marymount, uh, home of you know the great Hank Gathers. That's right. Uh, Bo Kimball, um, and uh, and spent a couple of days there, and then yesterday on Sunday, I should say, we went to the Chargers Raiders game, which really was uh, which really was a blast, and had never been so far. What'd you uh, think before? It's incredible. Is it? It is. I mean, you know, we, I, I was at the Iowa state game in Las Vegas last year. So we've, we, you've seen that you've been in that, that dome or, uh, do you call those domes? I guess just indoor uh, yeah, stadium, right? Allegiant, yeah, right? Indoor stadium. So it was beautiful, right? This thing puts that to shame. This thing looks, makes that look junior how, college a little bit. How about compared to Jerry's world and in, in, in way Dallas. better, really? Way better. Cause Jerry's I was, world, I, I Jerry's was blown world. away by Jerry's world when yeah. we were there for the big 12. Well, the thing about the thing about the one in Los Angeles is it's actually it's actually outdoors. That whole covering you see oh, okay. is really just like this sort of faux roof. You know, it's not it's open air, right? Interesting. Uh, it's not completely enclosed, um, and so. I don't know. It was just a super sweet uh, experience, and of course, a great rivalry. That that's a good game too, right? Great game, great game. The the AFC uh, uh, West. You got the Chiefs, the Broncos. We saw that game yeah, last night, of course. Um, yeah, my goodness. It reminded me, by the way, of the Nebraska Iowa State game with the fumbles <laughs> inside the five yard line from two thousand and nine, or you you know what? Yeah, two thousand nine. You got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Um, sorry, my, it had had hints of that at the end of that game. Um, and, uh, and of course, San Diego and Oakland and, you know, Devontae Adams, uh, you know, going to going to I shouldn't say Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders. Excuse me. The funny thing was, is like the most common, I should say the most common, the, the 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 largest fan base of NFL fans in Southern California is a team that is in Nevada. That's the funny <laughs> thing, because the Raiders had way more fans of that. I was going to say they probably it looked like it on the highlights that I saw. I, I would say it was 60, 40, maybe even more. Um I, I give it to Chargers fans. They were loud during the game, like they did their best. But uh, and Raiders fans are a special type of fan. Uh, my son has, I think, be, sort of become a Raiders fan. Like his, his, we brought his buddy to the game, who's from Oakland. He's a huge Raiders fan. So my son's buying like a ten dollar hat in the parking lot from some guy selling like illegal hats. So he's wearing this hat during the game. And my son likes the Raiders because. So he said he's going to Loyola and Marymount. What he misses about going to school in California is the Midwestern 
fan base, hmm. the Midwestern passion, whether it's Iowa State or Iowa or the Vikings or the Bears or you're right. I mean, there's the Midwesterners. We don't have surfing. We don't have all the mountains. We, we love our sports. And I think uh, uh, we really focus on them. And in the West Coast, I mean, we all know about the UCLA games are getting 10 or 15,000 over there. Um, and if USC is not really good, no one goes to those games. And uh, it's just, you know, there's it's just not a sports as sports passionate uh, as as the Midwesterners. And so he is he like he like adopted the Raiders for the game just because it, because he loves the passion of, of the fans. And so it was a really, really good game. Came right down to the wire. Our, our first seats were sort of up top. And at halftime, we, you could see some seats down below. So it's like, oh, let's let's work our way down below. Of course, and you sit in some seats for a while. Then you get kicked out. Then you sit some other ones, you get kicked out. <laughs> so and see, then, you, don't, you don't have a ticket guy? Well, I, well, I mean, yeah, but a guy got me in the 307 section, you know, which is like the, <laughs> the top. They're free, you know. I mean, the, 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 for that game, it was it was 250 a ticket for the, the worst okay. seat in the house. Worst anything down below was you're talking a thousand bucks a ticket, and you know, I, I enjoy going to NFL games, but not five grand worth. Uh, so, so we work our way down below. But here's the best part: as we're walking down below, we're walking uh, in one of the sort of the aisles, and I get like somebody yells my name. I look up. And it's my old friend, Chantel. Now, Chantel, she is from San Diego. She went to high school with Ricky Williams. So I've known her going way back to like the Miami days. Crazy. Right. So we used to, used to see her and, and we we're all sort of friends or whatever. And Chantel is Dwayne Wade's executive assistant. So next thing you know, we're in Dwayne Wade's box. Of uh, <laughs> America's guest. I know. I know. We, missed, we, missed that. we missed Dwayne and, and Gabrielle Union, too, un- unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, but uh, yeah, so we have to watch the sort of the fourth quarter in this in this box. Uh, what's you know interesting about SoFi, by the way, is since it's not indoors, it's not air conditioned. So okay. you know, usually Southern California doesn't have at least where where the stadium is. You know, you go out in the valley and it's it gets warm. Real, it gets really yeah. warm, but you sort of stay halfway near the coast. It stays usually in the eighties, and it was probably ninety five that day. It's, okay. it's been ex- exceptionally warm in uh, in Los Angeles lately. And it was very warm in the stadium. That roof just it felt like you were in a greenhouse. It was, it was warm. We're on, yeah, we're at Allegiant in, in Vegas or up in Minnesota at U.S. Bank. It, it's a true dome. And so it is like air conditioned, right? And, and this was not. So it, it was warm in the sun and you're sort of getting, you're getting baked out there. I don't think they expect too many games over the course of the year to be, uh, to be that warm. And so, I mean, I think it makes sense. Probably saves them $100 million or something like that to not have to full dome in and put in the air conditioning units and all those things. But you know who did have air conditioning? Dwayne, Dwayne Wade's Wade's box. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> that was nice. That was a nice way to end the what, game. As so what, what's, wet. what was the food and drink situation in the Dwayne Wade box? Uh, whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was uh, quite wonderful. It was a quite this, wonderful. This is why this podcast is tremendous. <laughs> Sage Rosenfels always just ends up. My, my, my girlfriend my girlfriend doesn't like the the phrase america's guest by the way it's it's partly true i i did say to her and, and she knows this by now we've been dating for a couple of years that like i do find myself in unusual situations you do. where i get these little perks sometimes yeah. you know before That's the great. game had some sideline passes my, my good buddy richmond uh richmond's a coach's agent in the nfl i don't know in, in college football i don't know how many maybe 70 coaches or something but Represents Brandon Staley, represents Mike McDaniel, uh, uh, represents uh, Nathaniel Hackett, Robert Sala. Um, 
Richmond was, it's a great story. He uh, played for a couple of years in the NFL. His dad, Richmond Flowers is his name. His okay. dad was actually like an Olympic style uh, sprinter hmm. way back in the, I don't know, probably the what, the, the 70s or or 80s. And he and I came out the same year. He was a wide receiver. He was fast too. He only played for a couple of years in the league and then he was out. And uh, But then he got into coaching and, and he got into coaching by making a phone call to, to Mike Shanahan, who had just got the head coaching job with, the, with Washington 2010. Well, how do you know Mike Shanahan? Well, he recruited Kyle Shanahan to Duke coming out of high school hmm. when Kyle was coming out of high school as a wide receiver. And so he's on the staff as a, a quality control. And in the NFL, quality control is basically the same thing as a, in college of grad assistance, right? You're sort of like the lowest coach in the totem pole. And you do all sort of the, 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 grunt, work. Work, the grunt work yeah. and, and building of the playbooks. And you don't really do much coaching. You really do more administrative stuff. But you, you have to sort of learn that to then when you become a coach, that you, you learn how all that stuff works, right? Well, the other coaches on that staff in 2010 in Washington, well, you had Mike Shanahan, head coach. You had Kyle Shanahan, offensive coordinator. You had Matt LaFleur, quarterback's coach. Mike LaFleur, quality control. Robert Sala uh, was a defensive coach. Um, I mean, just a, a, a crazy – I mean, there's really like – Yeah, that's the coaching tree. This coaching tree. So – he, 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 he said he realized, one, if we would have known what coaches know, he would have been a better wide receiver rather than just like trying to get faster and play harder. Hmm. He would actually understood how defenses work. So it really changed his perspective. Like, man, I wish I would have had better knowledge of the game and true understanding of defenses. And um, imagine he knew he didn't want to coach. <laughs> he knew that was, it was not the life for him. So he got into representing coaches which he does now very, very well. And, and, and he, and so he, he hooked, he, he, he uh, hooked me up with some sideline passes before the game, which is really cool for me. Uh, Cause I know some, a lot, I mean, I go to NFL games. You still know and, a lot of people, right? You know, a lot of people, even though if I don't yeah. play for the teams, right. People move around so much. I mean, uh, it's the, a the, small world, it's a small world. The, the yeah. Viking, the former Vikings assistant special teams coach is the chargers head special teams coach now, right? The, uh, I do some quarterbacks camps and a couple of the coaches that come to our camp, Shane day, uh, is a quarterback's coach for the chargers and his assistant quarterback's coach is a guy named Chandler Whitmer. Can I tell you a Chandler Whitmer story, by the way, it's no, your one, podcast, no one brother. that's listening to this knows who this guy is. It doesn't I don't matter. No. It's a great story. When he was nine years old, Chandler uh, uh, was a quarterback in the Atlanta area, and his dad gets him some private instruction from this guy named Ron. And I know this guy, his name is Ron Veal. And Ron uh, is one of these original sort of quarterback coaches, played quarterback way back in the day at Arizona. And, and he was starting to uh, get into sort of quarterbacks training world that was really sort of a new thing, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. And uh, as, as Chandler works his way up, plays high school ball after high school, goes to college uh, and comes back and he starts working with a couple of young quarterbacks when they're freshmen in high school. One guy's name is Justin Fields. Hmm. The other guy's name is Trevor Lawrence. So they're working, he's working with Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he ends up getting, uh, so works those guys through high school, ends up getting a job at, uh, uh, at Yale, uh, coaching at Yale, gets hired by Ryan Day at Ohio State because when Justin Fields transfers from Georgia, from Georgia. to yeah. Ohio State, he wanted like a friendly face on that staff or around it because he didn't know anybody, et cetera, et cetera. And so Whitmer Chandler gets gets hired at Ohio State as like an O-line assistant or something like to, that, which is actually great. When you're when you want to be a, a coordinator, it's great to spend some time like with the O-line, even if you're a quarterback, because you just have to know what all those guys go through and how, for they, sure. how they do their process. Right. So he's there for 
a year, two years, gets hired away to Clemson uh, uh, because Dabo wants to steal all Ohio State stuff, right? Yep. So Dabo's like, what are they? Because, so you know, as, as you know, it's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and like whoever the fourth team is who makes the BCS playoff. Sometimes it's Notre Dame, sometimes it's, you know, whoever it is, right? So he gets hired to, to, to Clemson for a year, two years, and then he gets hired to the Chargers, and he's, he's now in the NFL. I mean, what, what, what a ride! What a ride, and, right? And, and that, yeah. And that, the coach, everybody has a story like that, though, that made it. I mean, it's, it's honestly, when I'm bored and I'm watching an NFL game, I one of my favorite things to do, and again, I'm a nerd, which you guys all know this, I will look at the coaches when they show the coordinators or they show the head, even the head coaches, you look at their Wikipedia, and it is crazy. Like these, they literally, like you said, they have to have all these crazy stops. The the life of a, of a, a football coach is not very glamorous because you literally have to move that's why the Campbell regime is is really unique for Iowa State because they've had the same collection of guys for, I mean, mostly for six years now, and that is not typical at all. Normally, it's what two to three years a place, and especially if you're on the lower end, you're yeah. hopping somewhere else. Well, the the guys that are coaching, you know, small college first. Yes. Uh, there's always more money out there at a bigger college. So every single year they're sort of trying to move, move up, up the ladder. Um, that's why I've always felt like if I get into coaching, I, I don't want to do that. I, I I'd want to go, no offense. I'd want to go right to the top and see what I could do at the top and try to stay somewhere for a while, you know? And, and, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's a hard, hard business on them. If they're married, families, and kids, it's on yeah, them. I mean, it's really, I would say if you want to be a, a college, a major college head, co- college coach or, or NFL coach, don't get married and don't have kids for a while. You know, what I mean, you're gonna have to move a lot. You're not gonna see them for one, and you're and you're gonna have to move a lot. And you know, you're just gonna have some just just go have some crappy apartment, put all the money you make in the bank. You're never gonna be able to spend it anyway because you're just gonna be working in the office all the time. Correct. And uh, and wait a while until you sort of become a little bit more more solidified with your career before you start dipping into your personal life. That's not always the way it goes. And, and, you know, hat, by the way, hats off to the, to the wives, the girlfriends, the, the families, even the children who, who sort of go through this, uh, this journey. And, uh, and I, and again, I saw it uh, in pregame on the sidelines, you see some of those families there and the players or coaches come over and then take a picture with, with their crews. And you know, I'd sort of know what the, you know, th- this is a big highlight for them. For them too. Right. They probably they haven't it. seen their, probably haven't seen their husbands in I, six weeks. You know? it's, <laughs> I mean, the, the hours put in, I know these guys get paid well, but so let, that's transitioned us to the Cyhawk game because that was clearly something that was important to the Iowa state staff and they won't come out and say it, but they had this one targeted all summer long as, I mean, Iowa state did some unique things in this game schematically that, that we really haven't seen before, but I, I'm sure you got a chance to at least watch it when you were, hanging out with Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. <laughs> no, no, no. But I did. I did. We actually, what, what'd we, you think? Found, we found a, a sports bar in, in West Hollywood called like Barney's Beanery. And I was like, we, we, my, my son like does like a Google search, Iowa state bar or okay. in Los Angeles. Let's give him a and shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Bar, bar, I think it was Barley or Barney. I think it was Barney's Beanery. So we okay. walk up to this place. I'm like, this place looks like a coffee shop, right? You walk in and it was the best dive sports bar that I've ever been to, into. The place was packed half the play. Like there's sort of two sides to it. And the left side was all Iowa state fans. Nice. Uh, it was great. And the right side was sort of more like the bar and other games were going on. And you saw those Texas fans that were there, uh, you know, drinking their sorrows away, uh, which was is always nice to see. Um, and the, the cool thing about it is I'm ordering a beer at the bar. 
um, there's water dripping on me, I think from the air conditioning unit up top, <laughs> right? And it's just on the ground and people just accept it. It's I'm like, like you're I lumpies. I, yeah. love, I love this place. This is <laughs> the ultimate dive bar. It's not raining outside and there's water dripping all over me. Um, so had a great time watching with those Iowa State fans. And we played the flippy cup beer drinking game afterwards on like a pool table. That Look was at you. Look I know. At you. Like living, reliving your college days right there. We had a great, great time. I also realized that my 21 year old son has no idea how to drink because he's spilling these little shots of beer all over himself. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's probably a good sign. That he's like, yeah, nah, you should be proud. <laughs> Teaching moment. But what do you think? I mean, I, for Iowa State to win it, have you ever seen a game, first of all, with a team that has two punts blocked, has two turnovers in the in their opponent's end zone and an additional turnover on top of that and still won the game i mean the the odds against that are astronomical because those are all we used to call these tap plays t-a-p turnaround point right and i was first or iowa state's first turnaround point play was three minutes into the game i mean three minutes in the game we have punted had a block and they've scored a touchdown uh, on, on what, two or three plays or, or, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't believe it because, you know, we've all been at these Iowa state games, especially versus Iowa, where it just seems like we shoot ourselves in the foot. And, you know, even a few years ago, uh, where the, we, where we were, was it, they were punting and, and we, we, we touched it or whatever yeah. 1918 game. Like, yeah. Hey, we have all the momentum. We're going to go win this thing. We're get the ball to Brock Purdy. And then we lose it. And special teams have really been an Achilles heel for the Cyclones for, for a number of years. One of the weaknesses sometimes of, of Matt's uh, uh, teams have been just the occasional special teams blunder. Unfortunately, I know they hired a guy, uh, I believe from the Rams uh, who came in, he had worked with McVeigh. I talked to him a little bit of practice and, and uh, I was sort of hoping that would solve these issues. But, man, two block punts in this game, uh, obviously early on. And I'm like, just what a terrible way to start. And then Iowa didn't score for 57 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what so is- I, I, think, I think to have all that, all that happen, right, to, to have two block punts, to have two interceptions, one of them in the end zone, you have to have the other side be worse, and Iowa was worse in some ways, at least from a, maybe they didn't make as many mistakes. Sure. But from a futility standpoint of just incredibly crappy offense uh, uh, all the way around from protection uh, to the actual quarterback himself uh, to the play calling, I believe, by Brian Ferentz, which I don't think is very good. Um, it's sort of shocking to me. It's, what's, what's shocking about it is Iowa every year – puts in like three offensive linemen in the NFL and a lot of times a tight end. And a lot of times they're picked in the first round or the first few rounds, or even guys that last are sixth and seventh rounders seem like they make it for eight years in the NFL. So like, it seems like they have this sort of dominating talent up front. Uh, and then we have, you know, the Iowa state defense, which again, just, I mean, I, I love John Haycock to me uh, of all of Matt Campbell's success other than Matt, of course. Yes. Um, John Haycock has been, I think, the, really the glue behind the scenes. Uh, if, if people don't really, you know, know, everyone just knows it's Matt Campbell as the Iowa State head coach. But th- these coordinators are so important, and he has simply been phenomenal. There are games they give up forty points, absolutely, but they have played time and time again some really, really good opponents, and and really sort of given the offense a chance 
to win the football game as we are sort of consistently inconsistent. We have, I feel like games where we put up a lot of yards, yep. but then at the wrong time, we can't get that first down or we turn the ball over. We do a lot of good things, but it seems like we can, we can not always like string them together in consistent drives. Well, we had that in this game, nine, 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 nine yards, 21, 21 plays, which by the way, we need to name that drive. It's, it's has I mean, it come up with a name yet? Like uh, on, on the Twitterverse, the, it, the the drive is kind of the the. But that's a little simplified. This game in some in some corners of the internet is called El Asico, um, for good reason. So some have called it El Driveco, which I think is pretty good. Well, can you explain this to me? I'm, I'm not. I'm, so, I'm not getting the reference. So <laughs> there's a soccer. I, I, you have to look it up. There's a soccer game. I think. I gosh, I don't know who it's between. Um, I think it's called El Trafico or something. Well, Spencer Hall, who writes for SB Nation, I don't know if he's with them anymore, years ago coined the Iowa State game El Asico because of the numerous mistakes and just bizarre happenings within the game. Yeah. And it has stuck in the corners of the internet because honestly, like that game Saturday was a perfect example of El Asico. Yeah. Like just chaos. Both sides. Every both sides. Both sides. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's where El Asico comes from. Who's by the way, great great uh, Twitter follow Spencer Hall. But so some have called it El Drivaco. That's kind of a, a deep in the back of the the internet reference. But for now, let's go with the drive. You have to be in the you have know. to be in the know to know that. Bloom is, is is in the know. I like uh, nine, I like nine nine yards, nine nine counties, one goddamn win. <laughs> <laughs> what, so what's that like as a quarterback? Because you're you you won in, in Kinnick. You're backed up. It's the fourth quarter. You're at the one yard line. Deckers has already thrown two interceptions. I mean, that is a brutal spot to be in but god he just seemed cool calm and collected in that entire process you know what you're at the bottom of like steps or like an you know like you're at a, an airport where you've walked underneath um like a tarmac from like you know b terminal yeah, from terminal yes. in chicago or something yes. like that and you're underground and then they have an escalator and they also have like <laughs> stairs and you look up at that thing and it feels like it's like nine floors above you, you have to walk up these steps or take this escalator that's what it feels like when you're at the one yard line it literally feels like you're in a basement and you're looking uphill it's the worst and you, and you feel like, like a wall behind you because you do actually have like, like you do 20, feel that right like you, you feel, feel 25,000 yeah. people yeah. right behind you and it's it's weird like when you're in a football game you're sort of out on this stage but when you're backed up inside even hmm. like the even like the 10 yard line it just feels like any mistake you make is is can be super detrimental you feel good when you're out near the 50 you feel like you're sort of going downhill in a sense but when you're backed up like that uh it, it's really a, a sort of a terrible feeling and the first thing you try to do is get the defense to jump off sides, which I believe they did on that drive. Did they did run the time. ball and then they got an offsides? I, I but the second play. Yeah. If you're on the one or two yard line, it doesn't hurt you if you jump off sides. It only hurts the defense. And so, you know, to go from the two to the one, not to the end of the world, but to go from the two to the seven is a huge win. And so, of course, you want to hard count them, try to get them off sides. A lot of times it's great to like motion around and try to time it like it's a, like it seems like it's a, a, a on one. And try to get the defense to jump. So that's the first thing is just gain that breathing room and gain that first first down. That's one thing that I think that people don't realize, whether it's two minute drill or a situation like that, or really any drive is we think about all these drives, but that first first down 
is so huge because mm-hmm. if you don't get a first down there, you're punting. They're going to get the ball probably forty, 40 yard line, line, right? Or get it blocked. It's yeah, or get it blocked because because you only have nine. You know, you only have. 11 12 yards of space and usually have 14 or 15 and so when you shorten uh, that distance then the punter can't step into it as much as as he would like to so you really have to get some space even just for the punter but if you can get that first first down which they got and then you get a second one and you're like okay okay we're, we're rolling here now you're gonna feel good about yourself and and they just sort of I mean, there was a lot of third downs. I don't know how many five, on that, five third downs on that drive, uh, which were huge. And, and it, it just just a wonderful feeling it has to be for for that offense who had struggled. They moved the ball, it seemed like, throughout the game here and there, but they just couldn't put something consistently together. And that was a 21-play drive is about as good as you're going to get uh, in, 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 any, in, in football, whether it's National Football League or college football. And so just a, just a huge, huge drive all around. The, the the game-winning pass to Xavier Hutchinson, you could see it, all-out blitz coming. Okay. And when there's all-out blitzes uh, defensively, all the secondary players play inside technique because there's no safety in the middle, right? Everyone's coming, and if everyone comes there, at the minimum, we're going to have one more guy than you. So you have to get rid of the ball. And, and basically, they're gambling that if you don't get rid of the ball, one of our guys is going to, to, to get you. And so you have to be really – uh, uh, thinking about and cognizant about it as a quarterback of I got to get rid of the ball. And sometimes it's even sort of fading away off your back foot, but giving your guys a chance. And with that inside technique, it's really hard to play just a simple fade route. Um, Cause you're sort of giving that up the sidelines, your, your only friend. And so that's basically what happened. There was a little sort of little hand fight, a, a little bit of a fight, but I think both it seemed yeah. like to me, like the Iowa guy mostly just fell down. Uh, more than anything. I think they were tussling a little bit, but looked like to me the Iowa guy more just sort of tripped and fell down. And, of course, easy easy catch for Xavier and and a uh, b- big win for the Cyclones. So I think the biggest difference in this game, I thought the Iowa State offensive line was great. I mean, that was a concern going in. I thought Trevor Downing at center in that atmosphere was really good. But then the skill players, I mean, clearly Iowa State had Xavier Hutchinson. Iowa did not. As a quarterback, how comforting is it in that environment to have a guy like X who you know is going to be there and catch everything. It seemed like he had 19 targets on Saturday. Say just like whenever Hunter had a, I mean, it was, it was looking for number eight out there. Yeah. Uh, It's great to have a player who's you get one, one, he knows how to get open. And sometimes that's man to man coverage and learn how to beat people man to man and create separation. That's one. The other knowing how to get open is understanding defenses and finding soft spots and zones. And that's, that's can't always be taught. Like you can teach them so much, but there is a feel thing there for, for receivers of sort of finding the open grass. And you, you know, you have all these spots in the field that you're trying to run these routes to, and you design all these things. And this you're supposed to be on the hash. You're supposed to be over here by the numbers, but there's also, then it comes down to just a feel because if on the hash is a linebacker sitting there, you don't want to go to the hash. You know, you want, you want to go two yards off the hash. Sure. Right. So Charlie Kolar was, was awesome at that. Uh, and, and Xavier is really good at that too. And hats off to Tom Manning for trying to get the ball and designing plays to get the ball to he really his, did right his, away his best wide receiver and right away and, and then throughout the game and you just just keep doing that. I, I like that with uh, Josh McDaniels was doing that with Devontae Adams in that Oakland game. They first play of the game they threw Devontae Adams the ball. Just go ahead. We're just going to keep trying to feed this guy because we know more often than not. Uh, you know, two thirds of the time we, mm-hmm. we design a play as the number as our number one receiver being the number one guy, 
he's going to get a lot of catches and good things happen. And uh, so hats off to Tom Manning for, for designing those plays hats off for, for Xavier uh, for, I don't know. I don't know if Xavier's how good an NFL player he will be. He might want to be one of those guys who's just a phenomenal college football. Yeah. Player. I mean, so the thought with him and I, I, I'm curious your opinion because he was probably maybe fourth, fifth round coming out last year, but he, he, he got injured at one point in the season. So decided to stick it out and what he has said in the offseason, I think he's had a tremendous start to the year, clearly. But one th- he lived in the film room. To your point about uh, uh, the coach before, that he has now understanding. Now, I can't just be an athlete out here. I have to know where I'm going. Yeah. And you, I think you're starting to see that through the first two games. Is He's now understanding the game, not only physically, but more so mentally. And that's why he's been so productive. Knowledge causes the game to slow down because you can anticipate and when you're when you're standing out there whether it's a wide receiver or a quarterback or an offensive lineman or defense too the more you know and the more you understand and that sincerely just takes time and good coaching the better you can play and uh it's so that's it sort of if you have the the speed and the strength and the size and the hands and all those things that's great but if you have knowledge that's even more powerful and uh, for receivers, especially those that come in from junior college and you're, or you're a freshman, you've only been there for a year, you're coming from a place uh, uh, where probably there's not a deep knowledge of coaching, whether it's high school or junior college football, into something that has a lot better uh, smarts and, and the game's more complex. And so every year you're in, whether it's college football or pro football, you just learn you more and more and more. And physically, did Xavier Hutchinson get that much better in the offseason? I don't know, maybe a teeny bit, right? But mentally, uh, that's you get a huge advantage because you do have the entire offseason. You know, as soon as the season ends, as soon as the bowl game's done, uh, you know, in offseason, all you do is lift weights and run. And that's right. So, you know, what else you can do but go in and watch, watch some film and watch yourself, watch other wide receivers. Uh, you know, I know that that video staff over there extremely well. Mike Moore has been there for 97 years, I believe. And, and he knows how to go and say, Hey, who do you want to watch? You want to watch Cooper cup? All right. You know, you want to watch one of the, one of the best guys in the league. Who's not a four, three, two guy and six foot five, but just has 140 catches or whatever he had last year. Great example. Go, go go find a guy like him. He sort of reminds me of, I like that size wise and feel and, and those types of things. And of course a good, route reliable. runner as they like to say and, and re- reliability but that reliability comes off of knowledge and uh and hats so, off to xavier for for increasing his knowledge of the game so on the other end what do you do with a broken iowa offense right now if you're them i mean there there's I, honestly i haven't seen and i i would defense had some to do with it that kind of gets overshadowed will mcdonald they had will mcdonald playing like a defensive tackle standing up at one point be curious your opinion on like that that whole mm-hmm. mechanic but Gosh, I just I feel bad for Spencer Petras because it's like they don't have anybody to throw to. I have I mean, not felt bad for an Iowa quarterback. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I'm like he's getting killed. But yes. who's he? There's I, I mean I don't know. I, I didn't see anybody open either. I don't. What is he I, supposed to do? What, for, from my history recently of, of watching the Hawkeyes, which is it's it's you know I of course watch the Iowa Iowa State game every year. Uh, and then I catch pieces here and there uh, of other games. And what I uh, always see is, you know, again, the, the, their, their defense, for one, generally plays about three defenses. They sort of play cover four most of the time. 
uh, and occasionally change it up with some other coverages. But they play, they do very little on defense. It's very sound. It's very sound. They, they know it very, very well. And on offense, what I see is really good O-line play. I see NFL style like blocking schemes and zone, right? So when you have that type of offense under center, running the ball inside zone, outside zone, those types of things, you have to have a great play action game. You have to. It's it's sort of the offset. Hey, if we're going to run the ball and you guys are going to fill all your gaps aggressively, linebackers and safeties coming up and hitting because, you know, when you go across the board from the X receiver on the left to the Z receiver on the light on the right, there are gaps all along the way. And every defensive player has a responsibility within those gaps, right? From the nose tackle between the guard and the center to a linebacker who's in the next gap to the other tackle. Right. So everyone has these gaps. And when you force a defense to play those gaps, they're now not in their drop back passing uh, spots and say zone coverage. Right. So what you have to do, is have great play action, all right, by design, uh, by understanding of what secondaries do to have certain pass patterns. But what happens is when you fake the ball with the with the O line, the running game, the running backs, the quarterbacks, those linebackers step up, and now there's these huge cavities in the secondary behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties. And I'm telling you, if you're a free safety. And you see that play action and you see, you feel this big hole in the secondary, right? You're the free safety back there and you're backpedaling when the ball is snapped. And all of a sudden you just see this like 20 yards of space between you and the linebackers. Sure. It's the worst feeling yeah, oh my in gosh. the world. Because yeah. one, if they catch it, there's all this Where do space, I go? Yeah. Right. And if I'm too aggressive, someone's going to go over the top of me. But what Iowa has n- not had in my experience of watching them play is in that style of offense, you have to have super fast wide receivers. That is not a possession receiver offense. You know what a possession mm-hmm. receiver offense is? The old Texas Tech running gun. Five yard outs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all this quick little stuff. The, yeah. the little Wes Welkery stuff underneath, yeah. Julian Edelman stuff underneath. Those are great when you're throwing the ball 60 times a game because it's all this little dink and dunk and get the ball in your guys with space. And those guys have to understand defense and things like that and get separation underneath. But you don't want Wes Welker running post routes, right? You don't want Wes sure. Welker running anything, you know, deep, high corners, right? But you need to have at least one or two super fast. They don't all have to be super fast. But you, right. you have to have a couple guys that scare the crap out of the defense so much that it backs up those safeties. It backs up those corners, and which makes that those cavities behind the linebackers even bigger. And Iowa just never seems to get those guys. They seem to get these sort of possession receivers, which don't go into a run play action style of offense. Interesting. That's good. I'm not stuff. trying to give, you know, Iowa the uh, uh, the uh, the inside scoop of why uh, what is wrong. I'm with sure the they problem. know this too, right? I mean, you they know. Think, but you can go out and find fast guys that maybe they're raw and they're not sort of great. Just go find track guys. You do, and you have to have a couple on your team. We signed when I was in Houston. We signed Andre Davis. Andre Davis was like Michael Vick's wide receiver at Virginia Tech. Okay. I think it was a second round pick, but he was truly just a track guy. He didn't have great hands. He was our kickoff returner, but we would have him be in certain spots on all of our play action. It was like, all right, Andre Johnson on one side. And then we had Kevin Walter, who was about a four, five, one yeah, guy. Stanford guy. Yeah. Sort of a, uh, uh, no, Kevin Walter was like Eastern Michigan. Oh, I'm was, thinking, okay. Was, you know, he was like, he was sort of like, uh, 
sort of like Alan Lazard, right? Okay. Sort of, he's a big, strong Bigger guy, really good got blocker, it, really smart, can play all the positions, but he's not going to separate and blow past people, right? Dependable, all those things you want, but not going to blow past people. So, but when we needed, you know, to, to create those big cavities and, and scare the crap out of the defense, we would just take Kevin out and put Andre Davis in there. And they're, they're, believe me, the DBs and the safeties, they know they knew. who are the mm-hmm. fast guys. And so immediately they're like Andre Johnson on one side, Step Andre back. Davis on the other side. Whether Andre Davis had great hands is going to catch the ball or not was inconsequential, right? It was the fact that he was going to run past people, which then opened up these huge holes for for Andre Johnson, who was our number one you know, Pro Bowl, I think, Hall of Fame wide receiver they despite the be. fact that he had me throwing to him and, and David Carr <laughs> and Matt Schaub too but, you know but he it, to me was a Hall of Fame wide receiver and uh but you have to have those types of guys and I just I never see Iowa have those types of guys and and I don't know how you find them but Iowa has a track team you know what I mean I mean there, there are fast guys out there who aren't great great uh wide receivers come out of the high school that you just need to find a couple super fast guys. They don't all have to be. You just need one or two, but they have to be in for those specific play action plays. Huh. That's that's good stuff. So I we, I know you you got to prep for the Iowa State Ohio game. Uh, should be interesting. I actually think Ohio's got a decent offense. Uh, defense is left leaves something to be desired. I like I like the over in that game. I know you can't comment on that, uh, but. <laughs> Quick thoughts on the NFL before you got to run. Uh, what, what stood out to you? Your Vikings, you know, impressive over uh, the pack. A couple, a couple of things that, that stuck out to me. The Vikings went over the pack. It was, was big. You know, last year, uh, Aaron Rodgers, they lost like 38 to 6. Yeah, they got the destroyed. Year. There's yeah. something about the Packers' first game of the year. They just sort of suck. Why, I don't why know doesn't what. he why, – so, so I want to ask you real quick. Why don't these guys play in the preseason anymore? Because it seems like the guys that didn't play in the preseason from the quarterback spot, they went like – Two and seven on Sunday. Three, three and eight. Three. Yeah. All right. There you go. The, the quarterbacks that didn't play in the preseason at all went three and eight. Um, I don't know. I think it, it's a new it's a new idea that McVay started a few years ago. Okay. Well, they won the Super Bowl, so they're doing something right. But I will say, um, I saw Trey Wingo, the old ESPN uh, NFL Live uh, uh, host. And some team had nobody on the injured like list going into the game. And, and his tweet was, this will be the only hap- time this happens all year to any team for the rest of the year for the next yeah, I get know, five months. Right. Yeah. And so I think the point is a little rust is better than a couple guys out, out with for the whole year. True. Because guys do get hurt in the preseason and the NFL season, especially with 17 games, is just Good point. brutal. And so I think they're thinking the long game, like, well, we might be a little rusty first game, but if we're and one, that's better than having two recover. or three guys out for the whole year. And listen, I expect the Packers to be, you know, 11 and six, 12 and five, you know, I think they're going to be in the hunt. Um, I, you know, Kirk cousins to me is still Kirk cousins. I mean, he won this one, but, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes throughout the year. If they're going to be nine and eight or eight and nine or whatever they're going to be, it seems like so, what one Kirk or the other is, but Justin Jefferson is a absolute stud. I mean, the way he runs and, and his flexibility and the way he is so smooth on his routes and sort of wiggles in there and creates separation. And he really has it all. Full wide receiver. I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. But I had a couple of teams I want to bring up. Yeah. Shout out to the Vikings. Yep. Shout out to uh, Justin Herbert. He was simply phenomenal in that game. And one, by the way, one of the reasons uh, uh, Herbert, I think, is so good, he does have great coaching. Joe Lombardi is hmm. their offensive coordinator. 
Austin used to be the quarterback's coach coordinator for, for Sean Payton and Drew Brees in the Saints. So they're running the Saints offense, which was very quarterback friendly. Good I stuff. I love the way it was designed. And so I think that's really big for Justin Herbert. Mahomes, of course, was, was big lights in that out. game on the road. Lights out. And, uh, and Geno Smith. Half yeah. time, Geno Smith. Year nine. Enemy number one for Iowa State fans, by the way. You heard this story? No. Geno Smith is enemy number one for Iowa State fans from back in the day. So when they joined the conference in 2012, West Virginia played at Iowa State, uh, and Geno was the quarterback. Well, they got in a tussle around halftime. Geno Smith got into it with Wally Burnham, 73-year-old Wally Burnham, and I think shoved him at one point. Anyway, so he's still – he's still uh, who shoves a 73-year-old man? Like, stop it, Geno. And, and then he, he gets – I, I don't. Wally Wally talked a lot of shit. I mean, honestly. So maybe he did. But yeah. Um, anyway, well, it's yeah, good shout, for shout, good shout, for shout Gino. It. You know, there there is a thing that's very real. That when you come into the league, it's such a huge jump from college football. For and and of course, not for some guys. For some guys, they're running sort of NFL style stuff, and so they get to the league and they've they've heard about these concepts and they've talked about these types of plays and, and coverages and defense and they've had responsibilities to change plays and other college offenses are, are very very different so these these college quarterbacks who make it to the nfl there's a vast array mm-hmm. of what they know there's physical skills you see at the combine but knowledge wise there's a vast array of what they know and and it takes a number of years and so those guys that come in and play right away a lot of times they're they're unsuccessful as we all know it's like 50 50 with first round draft picks but if you're unsuccessful, like Gino was, I think he was a second round draft. Yes, like the first pick of the second round, I think. But if you last for five or six or seven years and you just keep practicing, you just keep learning, you end up being a backup somewhere else. So you got that playing time in those first couple seasons, you flame out. But if you can just keep working, you do get better, right? You just do get better because you understand the game more and more and more. You get all those practice reps, all those offseason reps, all the preseason reps. And so I think there's this spot where guys who get to year seven, year eight, year nine, or Gino is, the game has now started to slow down for him, and it's not sort of too big for him anymore. And I'm sort of rooting for him a little bit, of course. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, you know. Kind of like your history. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, for mine, I mean, I was a, I was a third-string quarterback for a number of years and worked yep. my way to number two, and I felt like I was sort of like, hey, I can do this about year seven or eight. Is like mm-hmm. I can really do this as a, you know, possibly a starter in this league. So uh, just more and more time. Um, so those guys, what I, I, I call those gold stars. They get gold stars Love during it. me, right? Of it. course, Josh Allen was, was pretty dang good, but he threw a couple of interceptions in that game. Um, the Brown Star Award goes to Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Oh, my god! Congratulations. And anytime I can give Brown Star Awards to Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, I'm going to do that because uh, they're definitely – it's like the Yankees – Notre Dame and the Cowboys are the teams that I just love rooting against. And uh, probably the Lakers too. I probably throw the Lakers in there uh, as well. And, uh, and so I'm very, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not happy that Dak Prescott is out for sounds like six to eight weeks or 10 weeks or something with his with broken hand or whatever. But uh, uh, I, I, it's nothing better than the Cowboys just sucking and they sort of suck the other night and, and they got a long road ahead of them. It, it was a tough, tough day for the Cowboys fans because uh, Notre Dame lost as well. Thankfully for them, Alabama won. 
So they could. That's right. You know, they could. But you know how many Cowboys choose. fans or Longhorn fans? By the way, you want, you want to know like my the, the uh, I have my fair share of like Texas Longhorn graduate friends. You know, like on Instagram and stuff. And the the number of people that are like, "Hey, we beat the spread," and I'm like, "Who cares about <laughs> the spread?" Like that was like the most Texas pat yourself on the back. Yeah, look at we us. Beat the spread. We almost, like, yeah. No, you you lost and you shouldn't have lost. Oh, you literally gosh. gave it away. Uh, uh, by the way, that that going back and what this would be the end of it here. I first started doing these quarterback camps with Richmond Flowers. He sort of put this yep. thing together, this quarterback collective stuff. And he used those relationships with Sean McVay and Kyle and, and Matt LaFleur to, to, do, to do this football camp. And those guys would show up. So you do a football camp with a lot of NFL coaches there. Good, you good get, players. You get the best high school kids to show up at it. Yeah. So Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, uh, you know, a lot of these kids that are at, you know, that, that are at these top programs. Now I've been lucky enough to coach them a little bit uh, in these camps. And uh, the, the, the Bryce Young play where the corner blitzes and he makes him miss Ducks and under. for 20 yeah. yards. I mean, big time, uh, the, the big time, big time. And, uh, uh, I mean, it was like the perfect defense call. They had the run, usually have a hot running back in the flat there where he was, he was manned up with somebody that, uh, had like a linebacker that had him. And so for Bryce young to make that play, I mean, just clutch He for a young guy, he is cool and calm under fire. And, uh, you know, I don't know, again, I don't know if he'll be a great NFL player. He's a little guy. He's a little guy. He doesn't have a big arm, but his accuracy and his quick release, um, you know, I'd like to think that he can, he can play in the league, but man, phenomenal college football player. Well, Sage, hey, have a great call this weekend. It'll be fun to watch you on ESPN Plus. So I, I won't be there with you. It's kind of sad that they're stealing they're stealing my analyst away from me on ESPN Plus, but that's okay. I know we'll do it I again know. someday, my friend. I'll have you in spirit. I'll probably call you later in the week for <laughs> yeah, insight because we'll you, you'll know, like, hey, the third guard for Iowa State. You know, like, what? What's give me some good information, uh, here, some nuggets about him, and you'll give that to me. Sage, so he goes in. I'll have something. Here's your here's your gold key to the game. Don't have two punts blocked. Okay. <laughs> I no know. more. I no know. more. Well, no more special teams blunder. Side yes. Come on, Matt. Come on, let's guys, figure it out. Let's we'll get, get special it. teams together. Could be a good year. We'll have a good call, and we'll and we'll, we'll talk. Where are you going to be next week? Philly? Next week, we be Philly. I got okay. a charity event on Tuesday night, and I believe, I believe we have a famous Iowa State alum uh, that is a Philadelphia resident. Okay. Uh, that, that'll we're, be the, the We're going to effort for next okay. for next week Perfect. so uh hopefully that works out he agreed to it and uh we'll see if we can make it happen awesome sage well hey safe travels uh out to philly enjoy the call this weekend we'll all be watching and uh we'll see you next week all right sounds good iowa everywhere